Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning, world, and welcome into Trust the Tape, episode 10. What's today's date? 10.10.18. Welcome into 10.10.18. Uh, today's episode is called Texas is Back. Like I've been telling Dane Brugler all year, just thought coming, knew it all along. Uh, we have got a wonderful episode of Trust the Tape for you. I'm Jeff Cavanaugh at JC1053 on Twitter, alongside the great Dane Brugler at DP Brugler on the Twitter. You can find his work on The Athletic, uh, DallasCowboys.com, 105.3 The Fan, where you can also hear my lovely voice from 10 to 3, Monday through Friday. Uh Dane, we had a we had a nice little college football weekend, but my new tradition is to start this thing with our rookie roundup because we are the authorities of rookies in the NFL, better than anyone that's ever studied rookies. And today I want to talk about Denzel Ward, mm. the number four overall pick uh, for the Cleveland Browns. Some people thought that might have been a mistake to leave the pass rusher, Bradley Chubb, on the board and take Denzel Ward. And... I'm not going to say Chubb has been a disappointment, but I will say Denzel Ward has exceeded probably most people's expectations and just matched mine because I thought that he was about a perfect corner minus yeah. minus an inch yeah, or an inch and a half. Right. Not, he's, he's awesome. That's the thing is Chubb and Ward were very similar in terms of grades on my board. I think one was four overall, one was five overall. I mean, so they were very close. Um, and it just came down to what was needed more for the Browns because they were on a similar level and they had Miles Garrett obviously and then it had Emmanuel Ogba but then you also as soon as they drafted Denzel Ward he was the best corner on that team so and he's played like it uh so far uh you you love the the play personality the confidence uh the speed the technique has been outstanding I mean when you're going up against NFL quality wide receivers Guys that are savvy route runners, you better have your technique down, and Ward does, and really impressive. Uh, against the Ravens, he had five tackles, three passes defended, one interception, which came in the red zone. Uh, then he had a blocked field goal right before halftime. I, I mean, without Denzel Ward, the Browns don't win that that football game. That simple. So, uh, early returns on John Dorsey's first round. Uh, you know, obviously with the first and fourth overall pick, that would be a lot of fun. I'd like to yeah. have those picks. You, you should year. you should be able to uh, have glowing things to say about those picks, but not. It's not that quite that easy. But you know, credit to John Dorsey, uh, Baker Mayfield at one, Denzel Ward at four. Both have. Uh, I, I think made a huge impact so far and look like cornerstones of this franchise moving forward. That team is such a totally different animal since they changed quarterbacks. Oh like, yeah. I thought that they would be a team that I believe I had a bet this year with somebody that they would win at least six games. Hmm. And I bet that there'd be a playoff team next year. Oh, uh, well, I'm a Baker believer. Yeah. Baker believer. Uh, and like he re-energized that entire locker room that entire team like the talent they've got talent there oh yeah they've they got do. talent there oh well, they absolutely they got they talent do. on the o-line they got talent on that defense they got young good weapons they that, just need a head that, coach th- yeah they do need a head coach yeah them and a couple other towns well this is why i was so coach. critical of 
you know, Hugh Jackson not even entertaining the idea of Baker Mayfield competing for the starting job during training camp. Like, I mean, it just looks silly now. He needed uh, to learn from Tyrod. Yeah, give me a break. I mean, if any one of the if any of these quarterbacks in this rookie class was able to uh, carry the burden of a winless team and help this offense move forward, it was Baker Mayfield and. He's done that so far, so you know credit to him. Um, you know, obviously he's he's he still makes mistakes. Um, you know, he made plenty of mistakes in that in that game on Sunday against Baltimore. But if Tyrod Taylor starts that game, they probably don't win. Simple as that. Okay, now I want to go back to Denzel Ward for a second because on the radio yesterday I went with this and I immediately had to amend it, but I started off going with this that. Football has become such a passing game where I don't have numbers in front of me, but I bet the NFL on average throws the ball about 65% of the time. That's my guess. That it's become so important uh, that corners, I said at first, were more important than pass rushers. That I would rather have like Jalen Ramsey than a great pass rusher. I did have to amend that immediately when my buddy Mike Bask was like, well, what about what Khalil Mack has done for the Bears? And I guess it's a little different because what one pass rusher can do, but it kind of goes to the Bradley Chubb versus Denzel Ward thing where I'll never kill you for picking a cornerback over a pass rusher in a passing league. I think we've gotten to the point where it's even. Mm. Now, one corner can't do a whole lot if they just throw to everyone else, but that, that your ability as a team to cover will dictate your season as much, if not more, than your ability to get after their quarterback. That I'll go with. It's Maybe not down to one player, but your team's ability to cover. Yeah, you go own sixteen and rush the passer well if you can't cover. It's debatable, it, it, you know, chicken or the egg kind of thing. Because yeah, if if your front can get pressure and force bad decisions, then you know maybe you can live with, uh, you know, ordinary corners. I think maybe the the better way to say it is, it's more important to have like if you can have an elite pass rusher or an elite corner. I think you'd rather have the elite pass rusher. You know, what Khalil Mack can do is so impactful. And what Jalen Ramsey could do is great. But like you said, you know, he's only covering one guy. And if you have an elite pass rusher, he can impact the quarterback before uh, it's even a factor what that corner can do. But, I just think it's gotten so hard. Now, the elite pass rusher can get home in a second and a half, right. and that's great. I think it's gotten so hard to get to the quarterback because so many teams are just focusing on get the ball out, get the ball out, get the ball out, yeah. pick play, the ball's out of my hand. Like I got to cover. Yeah, and you can, to a certain degree, you can scheme against pass rush. You know, whether it, you look at what uh, McDaniels has done in New England for a while with Tom Brady using slot receivers, using tight end down the seam, using, you know, you can scheme against what the defense does really well. Um, and that's what... That's what smart coaches will tell you. Smart coaches prepare for what you do really well, not for what you do poorly. You know, they're not trying to attack your weaknesses. They're going to plan for what you do really well, take that away, and then in, you know, subsequently they're going against your weaknesses, but they start with taking away your strength. Oh, the Bill Belichick. How could we lose this game? Let's not let that happen. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I, I think we see that throughout the league. And so I think that does, you know, help your theory, but it's. It is interesting, and I think that uh, you know if we see more corners uh, start to impact the game more, then that will only help. But Denzel Ward is certainly doing his part in Cleveland. Okay, now college football recap of the weekend. Dane, I told I've been telling you all year that Texas is back. I uh, remember you can uh, obviously check the archives. Please don't. That Texas is clearly back, and the win over OU in the Red River 
showdown rivalry shootout battle. Uh, I forgot what we're allowed to call it these days. Yeah. I know it can't be a shootout because too often on the Red River, what happened was fans would show up with muskets and shoot at each other. Really? So we couldn't call it the shootout anymore. I put uh, shootout in my article and my editor changed it. Of so. course, to showdown? Is it showdown now? Uh, yeah. I so thought it was sure. rivalry for a minute, but now I think it's showdown. The Red River showdown. And Texas wins, and they have now cleared the TCU hurdle and the OU hurdle. Now, you said Texas isn't back until they beat both of those teams and were not surprised. I do think people were surprised, but yeah. that is still a heck of a step in the right direction oh, yeah. for UT. They're not back, but they're on the trajectory of being back. You know, the way they're playing, especially when you consider how they looked in week one against Maryland, they look like a much improved team. They're playing like uh, a confident team, like a motivated team. Credit to Tom Herman and that coaching staff for getting their guys ready. Um, Sam Ellinger played the game of his life. Now, I think it, I almost feel like we learned, or, you know, it was more about, and I, I, I promise you, I'm not trying to take anything away from Texas, but it was almost more about Oklahoma's just awful defense and ability, inability to take away what uh, Texas is trying to do. It's not like Texas can beat you in, you know, 10 different ways on offense. Um, they're pretty predictable with what they're going to do. Oklahoma still couldn't do anything about it. So, you know, credit to Texas for taking advantage of that. But, you know, we, we with Coach Stoops being fired uh, over the weekend because of that, I, you know, it's that that's on Lincoln Riley. Uh, you know, why didn't you make that move over the offseason? I, I think if you're going to make that move a month into the season. He's a Stoops. You can't be firing Stoopses. I, I understand it's you awkward. You fire Stoopses. He did it over the weekend. Well, that was different. He lost to Texas. If you, a, if you had a better defense in the playoff last year, maybe you beat Georgia and go and face Alabama in the national title. Maybe you win it all with Baker Mayfield as your quarterback if you have just an average defense. So, And Oklahoma got exposed. Like I'll leave it to you to tell me if they have talent on defense. But for me, I can't tell you because they can't play defense. No, I I, I said going into that game, uh, I went to the Oklahoma-Baylor game. They can't tackle. They can't tackle. Yeah. They can't get pressure. And they have a very they, young they defense. Cover. Yeah, they have a very young defense. They don't have a single senior on that team, on that defense, um, that's going to be drafted. So you have a lot of young guys, a lot of promise, but a lot of cons- inconsistency, and it shows – um. Look, I again not taking anything away from Texas because they took advantage of it. But you know, if to take uh, Texas seriously, it's they're going to have to win out, and so that's going to be wins against West Virginia in November. Um, you know, going to Lubbock, uh, not not always the easiest place to play. So it it kind of in, a, in one way reminds me of Ohio State in 2014. Remember when they lost to Virginia Tech? In that opener? No, I'm not a college football uh, encyclopedia. Okay. First year of the playoff, they lost uh-huh. to Virginia Tech in the opener, and then they they won out. They looked like a much different team towards the end of the season. They get into the playoff over TCU and Baylor. And then, obviously, they go on to uh, win the national title, beat Alabama, beat Oregon. Texas, they look like a much different team than the opener when they lost to Maryland. Now, can they finish strong? And if they finish not only beating a West Virginia, beating a Texas Tech, and uh, you know, finishing out this Big 12 schedule, but maybe a rematch against Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game. If they do that... Big 12 ain't going to the playoff, Dane. They have a strong, strong... If Texas wins out, they'll have a strong case to do it. Well, we will need... we 
Because I just look at it and it's like, oh, Alabama's going undefeated. Georgia's going undefeated. That, yeah. Title game. Clemson's going undefeated. Notre Dame's going undefeated, which probably won't happen. I say, you, you'll probably his, be right. In the history of the playoff, we've never had four undefeateds. Yeah. You know, so. It, well, and we won't have four because Georgia or Alabama will have a loss. True. Yeah, true. We'll have three undefeateds and another SEC team. Well, and how do you? It won't happen. Somebody's going to. Somebody's going to stumble. Let me. Let me ask Probably you this. multiple. Somebody's. How do you view an undefeated twelve and zero Notre Dame versus a twelve and one Texas? Again, uh, that, that one I, loss being I, in the season opener. So it was way back first week of September. Meanwhile, they're a much different team with quality wins. Maybe two against Oklahoma. A quality win against West Virginia. Um, you know, a quality win against TCU. So it, yeah, Notre Dame will really just have Michigan and Stanford wins. Yeah, because the Florida State win when they get it later will be nothing. So USC will the USC win? probably won't. Be. It's, the game's at USC, but it, still, you don't think USC is going to be ranked? I would probably give it to Texas because I hate that Notre Dame dodges uh, a title game because they don't have a conference. I hate that. Hate that. Hate that. Uh, but I think if Notre Dame goes undefeated, I think that the College Football Committee they'll put them in. I think, I, I think you're in. right. Yeah, it's it just. It, it, it's an interesting debate because, and again, that's why the Big 12, that 2014 playoff when Baylor and TC were left out, basically the reason they put in the Big 12 championship game is so they did have that 13th game that could potentially differentiate themselves. And so Notre Dame, Texas would both have 12 wins, and you can make an argument that Texas might have the more impressive wins, especially if Oklahoma and West Virginia uh, keep winning and keep, you know, they look like top 20 teams. So it's going to be, that'd be an interesting debate, but I do agree with you, Brand. You know, I mean, tech, not, not anything against Texas. I mean, but it's two really big brands. It is. It is. No question. So we'll have to see how everything else plays out. Ohio State, uh, October should be a cakewalk. And then once we get to November, Michigan State uh, and Mar- in Maryland and then Michigan. Michigan's a much better team than what we saw in week one against Notre Dame. Uh, Michigan's going to be a tough test for Ohio State. So, you know, we'll see how that plays out. And then Clemson, NC State in two weeks, undefeated NC State. Now, NC State hasn't played anybody. Uh, so that's, I said, we still don't know much about NC State. But uh, as, Clemson's got sunshine at quarterback now. They're in good shape, Dane. As much as NC State. As long State, as he doesn't run into somebody head first for no reason. Uh, it's just possible. He's a freshman. Mm. NC State, as much as they lost last year, uh, you know, as many draft picks as they had last year, they still got guys on that team that are big play guys. I mean, Ryan Finley at quarterback, a lot of people like Ryan Finley. He might not be one of their top three draft picks. Um, I really like uh, Kelvin Harmon, the wide receiver, uh, Jermaine Pratt, the linebacker. Uh, the center is really good. Uh, the left tackle is going to move inside the guard. He's another draftable guy. So NC State has some players that could give Clemson some trouble in two weeks. Okay, other games of note over the weekend. I've got about three of them or so. Uh, the highest ranked one would be what? Was that our Florida game? Yeah. Was that our LSU Florida game? was what? Ranked five. Yeah. LSU, Florida. And uh, <laughs> Florida wins. Condolences to our friends at Cowboys.com. Brian brought us and Dave Hellman. Hmm. Obviously a tough day at the office for them. Is is Florida for real? The difference in that game was Florida had number 99 and LSU didn't. Number 99 being polite. The pass rusher who wasn't very polite to LSU. Uh, uh, he Dane uh, has good jokes even in his Jordan flu game today. Yeah, coming off of exactly. uh, a rough a rough week, rough week for Dane. Strep throat. You know when you have two kids under 
two years old and you have a wife that teaches fourth grade, you're just you're gonna get sick. It's inevitable. Yeah, I think I would just put the I wouldn't hang out with kids until they hit about when do they stop getting sick so much? About ten. Uh, I think that's when I would come I into their know. lives. I'll look forward to that day. Okay. Uh, my daughter turns two today, by the way. Oh, happy birthday, yeah. little Brugler. Little Kara. We're going to the, the to the fair, so shoot me now. Um, oh, was she... In- no, actually, I'm, I'm excited to get some fair food, and um, it's not supposed to be too hot today, which would be good. Yeah, I had a corny dog yeah. uh, at the Texas and, and any, OU Any game. other fried food? Uh, no, 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 I don't do by that. By the way, what, what was going know. through your mind when Texas kicked that field goal? That had to be just a surreal moment for you. Uh, you know, it was tough, Dane, as a... Uh, Fake Oklahoma fan. Uh, it was a, it was a tough day, you know. It was really just it made me feel so bad. I was telling everybody that I was with the girlfriend and her family and friends, and they're all Oklahoma fans. And I, I told them, I said, the good news about this at forty five forty five, I said, is college kickers suck. Yeah. That's the good news. College kickers can't kick, but you didn't account for Dicker. Yeah, and once they got to about uh, it was like forty eight yards away. I was like forty eight. College kickers won't make that. <laughs> and it was like okay, now it would be forty three. College kicker won't make that. Then it was like, okay, it looks like it's going to be 40. I said, college kicker might make that, but they could easily miss. And he didn't miss. Dicker Shout out the to kicker. Dollar. Uh, back to it. the Florida LSU, though. Yeah. Uh, like, polite number 99, he's been kind of a revelation this year. He he showed some flashes last year, but this year he's he's been unblockable with that edge speed. Not the biggest guy. He's about 6'2", 245 pounds. That's too small to wear 99. But let me, he's wear a single digit. He's got some upper body explosion. Uh, he's really fast. Chases down from the backside. He's got it. Threw out a spin move. Uh, Joe Burrow is running for his life. Um, and that was really the difference. Is LSU didn't have a 99 that could consistently get the uh, get after the quarterback, Felipe Franks, uh, which allowed him the Florida to move the ball. Where Joe Burrow looked like he was always running for his life uh, because and it went. LSU would adjust and put a running back to number 99 side of the field. Then that opened the side for, uh, you know, CC Jefferson or Zanega or one of the other pass rushers on uh, Florida's front to get after the the LSU pocket. So credit to Florida. Um, they're playing well. The Mississippi State last week, LSU this week. Uh, Dan Mullen's got his guys playing well. And uh, Jachai Polite is looking like a first-round player that we'll be talking about at length uh, throughout the draft process. Next, Auburn, you phonies. <laughs> Auburn, 23-9. to They lose to Mississippi State. Now, going on the road's always tough, Dane. It's always tough in the SEC. But nine points. Jarrett Stidham, the Auburn quarterback, who's considered a really good NFL prospect, I didn't see this game. But 19 of 38 for 214 yards. Scheme hold him back? Receivers hold him back? What holds him back? Because for now, I just see a toolsy guy. Yeah, and I wrote about this this week on The Athletic about how two SEC quarterbacks came in, highly rated, uh, Jarrett Stidham and Drew Locke, both are disappointed so far this year. And with Stidham, yes, you have to absolutely look at the offense. Um, I had one, I talked to a scout about about Stidham and the offense as a whole. He said, if our offense in the NFL is a 10, the Auburn offense is a 3. Just oh. in terms of you know what they're asked to do, the playbook, um, and especially throwing the ball through the air. And so Stidham, I mean, that, that holds him back in, in terms of, you know, where he is mentally and what they what they asked him to do in that offense. But at some point, you just have to make the throws. And he's missing several throws. And the biggest worry I have, and I mentioned this uh, in week one, even when they had that good win against Washington in the season opener, I mentioned on our show after that game that it still worries me that 
if there is any sign of pressure, he clams up. He does not. Uh, he does not create those second chance throws. And for a guy with his athleticism and with his arm, you better be able to create those second chance throws in the NFL. And this is a this is a broad generalization, but the studies say that forty percent of the time in the NFL, your offense will work exactly like you designed it. You know, simple three five step drop back, get the ball out, fire. The other sixty percent of the time things fall apart and you have to move your feet as a quarterback. You have to work through your progressions and you know, create something. You have to improvise a little bit. And that 60% in the NFL is what is the weakness of Jarrett Stidham right now. So you can't really look at him as a viable first-round player right now. And I think the offense holds him back. The offensive line at Auburn holds him back. But you have to, I mean, all things considered, there's just no way you can look at him as a first-round player right now. What about Drew Locke, the Missouri quarterback you mentioned? They lose to South Carolina 37-35. He is 17 of 36 for 204 yards and two picks. Where are the quarterbacks, Dane? And it, it, in all fairness, it was a monsoon for the you know second half or for most of the second half, so that played a part. But uh, I compared Drew Locke to kind of a, a three-point shooter at the Y. You know, like he, he steps up, uh, he kind of abandons his technique. He fades away, opens his shoulder, and just lets his arm do everything. And you know, it, it works for him a lot of times because he has he was blessed with a golden arm. I mean, he's Derek Carr in my opinion. Uh, brings back those types of flashbacks, but it, it's ball placement, decision making. It, it's just too streaky, and you see that week in, week out. And he's missing his top receiver. But with an arm and a skill set like Drew Locke, you should be able to compensate and adjust. And he just, he has not been able to do that up to this point. So in the last two, he did really well in the first few weeks. Drew Locke did against non-conference opponents. The last two weeks against SEC SEC competition, 47% completions, three interceptions, only one touchdown. And that was a rushing touchdown. Mm. So for Drew Locke, uh, he, he needs to finish strong in the second half or, you know, he can kiss his chances at the, at the first round, goodbye. He needs to play better. My guy, Will Greer, 330 yards, four touchdowns, and don't worry about the three picks. I say, those My guy, interceptions. Will Greer, doesn't mind throwing interceptions. Against, he doesn't mind. Against? Uh, the great Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah. Solid Big 12 team there. Same thing with, I mean, with Will Greer. We, it, nothing really matters for Will Greer until November in terms of his pro prospects. I mean, it's great that he's playing well, but until he does it against Texas, Oklahoma, the toughest opponents on his schedule... You know, it's hard to be too impressed with uh, what he's done based on you know your opinion what you, of coming in. Now, if you're seeing Will Greer for the first time, sure you're going to be impressed. But you know, for those that watched Will Greer last year and studied him, it's hard to be impressed with what he's done up to this point, just because he hasn't truly been tested yet. Okay, any other games worth noting that I did not note? I'm uh, looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. And I don't see any more games. Well, A&M, Kentucky. Yeah. It's A&M beat Kentucky. Credit to A&M. Jimbo Fisher's got those guys. I mean, a year ago, A&M's not winning that game. Uh, Jimbo Fisher's really making a difference with the culture and the way they attack the game plan. They took Benny Snell away. And with Benny Snell uh, ineffective, the quarterback, Wilson, he couldn't do anything. He couldn't compensate. And so, and it's too bad because that Kentucky defense really played well. Uh, Josh Allen, again, another great game. Uh, he he's really helped himself. He's moving up uh, each week uh, on draft boards with with what he's done. Um, a few other notes just from the weekend. Amon Richards, a wide receiver from Miami. Uh, Hurricanes, a great comeback win against Florida State. 
But bad news after the game, Amon Richards, uh, he is retiring from the from football because what? of a neck injury. Uh, he's barely played. He had one catch this year. He's barely played. Uh, and it was a neck injury that really kind of... And he was a first-round player. Uh, if he's healthy... I'll still draft him. He's a first-round player. I'll still draft him in case he wants to come out of retirement. Use a seven on him. Yeah. See what happens. I don't think he's... Might neck injuries. Can't, can't, can't really mess with that. Nah, you can mess with that. Lots of, listen, doctors are so good these days. Yeah. yeah, we'll just go in there and put a new one in. We'll be fine. There are over 250 players in college football, FBS, who have a sack so far this year. Ed Oliver, he's not one of them. Yeah, what's going on? What are we doing? Are we really comfortable with him in the top two or three picks? It's tough because when you're talking about Houston, where they've got one guy on that defensive line that's going to get drafted. You know, it's an NFL guy. Aaron Donald at Pitt, how, what was around him? I mean, he sacked quarterbacks 500 times a game. True. He, uh, he just kept doing it. it and Ed Oliver's used as a nose tackle. So he's lined up right over the center, and he, so he's constantly seeing double teams from the guard and center. Now he's frequently getting into the backfield and making things happen. Um, I think he's at six and a half tackles for loss on the on the year, so he's averaging just over a tackle for loss each game. But, you know, for him, it's when you defense, when offenses, it's a classic case of offenses taking away Ed Oliver and saying everyone else, you can beat, if you beat us, great, but we're not going to let Ed Oliver beat us. And so we're seeing that now. I don't think his stock is dropping by any means. He's still playing, lights out. I, I do think that He's he, there's going to be a debate about you know is he truly a top three type of pick because he's not going to fit every defense what every defense wants to do um, he's you know it, there's some question about you know is he big enough and all that so we're going to hear about that a lot throughout the process uh, now I still think he's a top three top five player in this draft but it wouldn't surprise me if he's viewed as more of a top ten player by teams you know and we're not talking about him as that no brainer. Top two or three guy. Okay, what else do we have in the uh, in the scouts notebook? Uh, I got nothing left, Dane. I'm out. This is you, Dane. Dane came in today and he's like, "Hey, you know, coming off the strep throat could be tough. You <laughs> might have to carry me a little bit." I said, "Dane, I went to the Texas OU game and I watched some football." I said, "But I don't have the carries today. I just don't have them. You know, this is a you day." We, I mean, it's I feel Dane like day. we have to mention Tua. I, I mean, I look, I we, number one overall pick in how many months away are we? 16 20 2020 draft. Yeah, 2020 draft to a T, number 1 overall. Hey, just you take Jake Fromm, I'll take this guy who throws it wrong-handed. <laughs> take to a T. He is the only quarterback in FBS who has yet to throw an interception. He's a freak. Um now he's completing 75% of his passes. Is that all? 1500 yards. Is that all? 18 to 0 touchdown to interception ratio. Still hadn't played in the fourth quarter? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think. I don't think so either. Um and now, Alabama, you could say, who have they really played so far? Uh, it's going to get a lot tougher, you know, against LSU, against Auburn, probably against Georgia in the title game. Um, and so we'll see how he does in those games. But, yeah, I mean, how are you not, I mean, just mesmerized by what he's done up to this point. He's the clear Heisman favorite at this point. Uh, <laughs> against Arkansas, he threw for 334 yards and four scores on 13 pass attempts. That's just silly. <laughs> it's, I mean... It's it, it. What do you do? I mean, how do you how do you defend that? Uh, you don't. Now, and Dwayne Haskins, Will Greer, both played really well, and they're in the Heisman uh, discussion. But it's it's really two is to lose at this point. Uh, and I know it's early. It's you know October tenth, but still, uh, that's how we that's how it goes. 
Uh, talk a little bit about some games we have coming up this weekend. Uh, the biggest one in my mind that I have my eyes on, Washington going to Oregon. Um, we're going to see Justin Herbert. Now, oh, I'm here for Browning. Is Browning still at Washington? What's he yeah. in his 40th year? The Ken Dorsey of... Uh, <laughs> yeah, buddy. He, uh, Justin Herbert. Now, this is going to bring up an interesting debate, something I'm writing about for my weekend preview. Uh uh, Justin Herbert has started 20 games now at the college level. He has, and you know, this goes into the whole debate about quarterback wins and win-loss record, how it applies to quarterbacks. But I think we can all agree that NFL teams, when they are scouting quarterbacks, they want to see quality wins on the resume. They want to see wins over ranked teams, over, uh, you know, going on the road, beating uh, a team that maybe is a little bit better than you. They want to see that on the resume. And Herbert doesn't have that. He's only beat one team that was ranked over his 20 starts, and that was his true freshman season against Utah. Now, should they have beat number seven Stanford in Probably. week four? Yes, they they should. Herbert played a near-perfect game in the first half. That's why whenever you talk about win-loss records with quarterbacks, context is provided. You need context. And so, yes, they should have beat Stanford a couple weeks ago, but they didn't. And so in those 20 starts, Herbert has a 12-8 and record, and he just hasn't. He's missing that signature win. But going up against number seven Washington this Saturday, that would qualify as a signature win because Washington has a really good defense and a dynamic secondary. Byron Murphy, Jordan Miller, uh, the safeties, Rap, McIntosh, they've got a legit secondary. So if Herbert is able to go up against that Washington defense, come away with a victory, and look impressive doing so. That is the signature win that NFL teams have been looking for. Because look, and look, hey, we somebody's got to go number one as a quarterback. And we, man, we're looking around for anybody else. Yeah, and oh, it, yeah. it's Herbert. It, it, no, it is absolutely Herbert. And I mean, that was it was Herbert over the summer. It was Herbert uh, when we started the season. It's Herbert now. It's going to be Herbert if he comes out. If he declares, it'll be Herbert in April. But you know, remember Sam Darnold last year? He had a rough 2017 season for USC. The surrounding cast didn't help him, but he he struggled. But what did scouts keep going back to? That They kept going back to the Penn State Rose Bowl the year before as that signature win that Darnold had. Like, oh, we saw him do it in that game. We know he can do it. And, I mean, I, I was saying that too just because we saw him do it against Penn State. who's so impressive doing it, leading that team to victory, uh, that you know you kind of hang your hat on that. And Herbert just doesn't have that type of victory on his resume yet, but that could come on Saturday. It's uh, it's an afternoon game. It's a three thirty Eastern start, so it's what like a noon twelve thirty start uh, on the West Coast. Uh, it should be a lot of fun to watch how that how that transpires. Uh, you're going up against a really good Washington defense and a, a veteran quarterback on the other side of the ball, and, and a really good coaching staff. So I am excited to watch how five and one Washington goes into Oregon and faces a four and one Ducks squad. Ooh, we do have a couple other good ones though. We do. We yes. do get to see Drew Locke go on the road and play Alabama if yeah. you if you'd like to bounce back from having some struggles this year young man go do it against the number 1 team in the country that'd be nice Georgia LSU that'll be a good game number 2 Georgia going to LSU yeah well could we see Georgia take a loss here Georgia's been a little disappointing this year they they're a really talented team. Um I, I think they're they're not quite on Alabama's level but they're really close and they're on the short list really when you look at the national landscape there are five teams that you look at as kind of the they're the five horses out in front of everybody, and that's Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Dame. 
after those five, you have question marks and you have losses and everything else. So uh, George is one of those teams, but they still have not played up to their potential. They're making some mistakes. They're still gelling as an offense. Uh, had to replace a lot on defense, so they're still figuring things out there. LSU, we'll see how they how they feel coming off that loss at at uh, in Gainesville. They're back at home in Baton Rouge for this one. Should be an interesting game. We'll see how it plays out. Um, I'm interested to see Colorado at USC. Colorado's undefeated. Uh, Steven Montez doesn't get enough love for what Rashawn he's done. Salam. Uh, Chenault at wide, have you seen Chenault at wide receiver not, yet? I've oh not. my gosh, this guy is he takes over games like few wide receivers are able to do. Uh, that's going to be a fun one to see how undefeated Colorado goes into USC and and I see how they play. Um, we have Wisconsin at Michigan. I believe that's Johnny. the that's the game day game. I believe they're going to Ann Arbor. I think so. It looks like it's at Wisconsin. Oh, is it? Wait, yeah. Wait, no. Michigan versus Wisconsin. I'm used to the bottom team listed being the home team, but it says Michigan versus Wisconsin. So it sounds like it's at Ann Arbor. Yeah, Ann Arbor. Um, and so we'll see. You know, Wisconsin's still a very good team. I mean, that BYU loss looks like kind of a little bit of an anomaly, especially after BYU just got trounced by Washington. Um, but you know, Washington's like I said, Michigan's playing a lot better than they did in the opener against Notre Dame. Um, Shea Patterson's playing a lot more consistent. The defense, we know the defense is light out. Rashawn Gary has missed a few games with injury. We'll see if he plays, uh, and assuming he does play, at what level he plays uh, in this one because they'll need him. Uh, so it's, we know what Wisconsin can do on offense. We know what, what Michigan can do on defense. That's going to be a lot of fun to see those two teams match up uh, on that side of the ball. I haven't heard a lot about Jonathan Taylor, the guy who kind of stormed onto the scene for Wisconsin last year as a freshman, ran yeah. for almost 2,000 yards. He is on pace to do even more this year. I just say he's still ranked. He's like second in the, yeah. in the nation rushing. Five and, games. He's at 850 yards. He's getting over six and a half per, and he scored eight touchdowns. So Jonathan right. Taylor is a name that I guess we just don't talk about non-quarterbacks this year for Heisman with what Tua and Kyler Murray and right. whoever else are doing. Uh, he's having a nice one. Do you know, Do you know who's number one in the league or in the FBS in rushing? No, I don't. Daryl Henderson from Memphis. Is he good? He he's going to become the nation's first thousand yard rusher this weekend. Is he uh, good? He's a, he's in the, the Devontae Freeman mold where he's undersized. He just runs really really hard. He's small and he's built, so he's built low to the ground, so he can break tackles because uh, he's built so low to the ground. Accelerates well. He's he has at least one forty yard run in the last five games. Uh, his he's averaging eleven point eight yards per carry. Oh, that's not bad. So yeah, that's pretty yeah, good. That's okay. Memphis faces UCF this weekend, so that'll be a fun AAC matchup. Uh, you know, we just don't talk about the SEC and Big Ten here. Talk about the AAC too. Yeah, that's true. Uh, is there any maction you wanted to talk about? Would, do we have maction? Is that started? Is that like Thursday night maction? Well, we, we're starting to get the weekday games. Last night we had uh, App State and Arkansas State. Was so, that last night? Yeah, that was last Who night. Who pulled so, that one out? Uh, I DVR'd it. So okay, so you'll find out tonight. I will be watching after I get home from the fair today. Okay, I bet App State takes them down. I I purposely avoided the score just. It's just lot, it's more enjoyable when you can watch it when there's still some intrigue about who's going to win. But yeah, especially in an App State Arkansas State. Yeah, game. Well, you don't get those every Saturday. Jalen Moore at running back is a legit guy. On which uh, team is that? App State. Okay. Uh, at, for Name Ar- an Arkansas State player. Justice Hansen. Okay. Uh, All right. He's he's a quarterback who probably not going to be drafted, but you know he's one of those guys that if he goes to the East West Shrine game and impresses, 
he can make a, you know move up a little bit, make a name for himself. So all right, well, we'll hey, see how that goes. I don't know how to make the podcast any better or hit a higher <laughs> point than Arkansas State App State preview. So we're going to end it now. Perfect. That is trust the tape for this week at uh, Dane Brugler at DP Brugler on Twitter. I'm Jeff Cavanaugh at JC1053. Five star that bad boy. Hit us with the five. And tell stars. us your best, uh, the best fried food you've had at a fair. Your favorite fried food and your favorite Arkansas State player. Hit us up. That's it. We'll see you next week. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.